Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, welcome along V8 Sleuth Podcast for another week and it's not just the V8 Sleuth Podcast, it's now the V8 Sleuth Podcast polished by Bowden Zone, Australia's premium car care company is on board with us for the next few months, great to have the team from Bowden's with us and it's great to have Will Dale back in the studio, welcome back William. Oh, thank you, it's lovely to be here. Yeah, very good to have you here, we've got plenty to talk about because this year we've done some episodes looking ahead to the next track on the Repco Supercars championship calendar. And for us now, it's Townsville. It's up your neck of the woods, North sure Queensland is. way. It's as home round as you're ever going to get to a home round. And when we stopped and looked at this round, just weird stuff's happened there. Yeah. When you stop and actually <laughs> drill through it, there's a lot to get through here. Why is it that weird stuff happens at the Townsville Street Circuit? Oh, it's like ever, everyone's unseasonably warm because they're in North Queensland in Hot the middle sweaty, of winter. Yeah, just don't know what just, to do with themselves. Yeah, just all sorts of odd things tend to happen. <laughs> well, judging by the list we've got here, we'll work our way through it. There's plenty of things to talk about that have happened there that could be all put in the weird category. But Townsville started hosting supercars in 2009. Hmm. Were you there that weekend? I was. I was there. I was working there as a grandstand usher over the back chicane. Were you a guru of, uh, yeah, mate, that's A42, that's down in the front row, down to the right, or were you just like, yeah, you got a ticket, in you go? It was definitely the latter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely the latter. But I, but, but I also met um, Pete Irvine that weekend, the longtime volunteer that's looked after us in the media centres all around Australia. Yep. Um, he was working as a grandstand usher that weekend. And Pete, as Will mentioned, so he manages the media centre at all the Supercars Championship promoted rounds. So mm. really familiar face for the whole media core to uh, have there to help out with all sorts of stuff, whether it's, you know, he's driven buses to the top of the mountain to get journos and photographers up there. He's done it all. There's there's nothing that he can't do. Um, Townsville was a real circuit breaker. I reckon it was kind of the next Darwin for me in yeah. the championship because we talked about Hidden Valley recently, 1998, just over a decade later, 2009, and Townsville had kind of been linked for a while to a, a supercars round for – probably longer than a couple of years. It was almost five or six years that was brewing. But we got there in the end, but there was a bit of history of Townsville and motorsport together. A little bit. Like there was always a drag strip there, which only closed in relatively recent years. Of course, a cart circuit, a bit of speedway up there as well. Um, if you look back through the Indy 500 archives, you'll find Dennis Firestone was actually born in Townsville. Oh, back yes. In, yeah, back yeah, in, yeah. During World War II. Um, and also if you wind the clock back to 1990, so the Townsville Supercars race wasn't the first street race held in Townsville. The first one was actually a superbike race. Do tell more because I don't reckon any of our listeners or many of our listeners will know this and I know sort of nothing about this. <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't like a big um, superbike championship round or anything. It was like a sort of a local thing that was supported by a couple of the factory superbike teams. So the circuit was around the Murray Sporting Complex, which is – Kind of near Laverack Barracks for those who have an idea of where of Townsville geography, um, and the star riders were Scott Doohan on a factory Rothmans Honda and Rene Bonges on a Mulberry Yamaha. 
Oh, so it wasn't just Neville Numpty and I think they know, were for most of the rest of the field, uh, yeah, but, but those, they were the two names. star guys. Yeah. Is there any vision of this? Surely there'd be some somewhere. I've Surely. never seen it. I'd love to see it. I've never seen it either. It's yeah. a nice segue because remember we've discussed the lost races of Australian motorsport and touring car history. Mm. I got an update just while, while I'm thinking of it. A little Do segue here. Yeah, yeah. So remember one of the races that we identified was the 1980 Sandown Australian Touring Car Championship round? Mm-hmm. Sleuth found vision. Hey. Hey. Um, 1980 Eyewitness News Channel 10 carried some vision of that. So the National Film and Sound Archive has been very kind enough to give me access to have a look at it, and there it is. It, it exists. There There's are. Brock in the VB Commodore before it got the boot lid spoiler, uh, leading the field down into turn one. It's very short and sharp. There's not much to it, but it's vision that I haven't seen before. It was pretty Brilliant. cool. Mm. Very, very cool. Mm, thought you'd like that. Yeah. Thought you'd like that. So 2009. You're, you're letting people into the grandstand, telling them where to go. Make, did you kick any ruffians out, by the way? Uh, if I did, I don't remember. Okay, so probably not, probably not. So 2009 is a real game break, as we mentioned, and I think it, it added to that whole, if you were from the southern states, perfect. You do Darwin in June, you go home, you freeze again, then Fall you go, it's okay, I'm going to warm <laughs> up, I'm going to go and get back to Townsville and um, get some more good weather and get some sun, which is exactly how it's unfolded over the course of, of history. But The funny thing is, though, it's the reverse for people in Townsville. So that very first year, all the teams brought up their big merch trailers and everything, and they so many of them sold out completely in the first couple of days mm. of winter gear. Oh. Because that's that's the cold time in Townsville. So so for everyone coming up from down south thinking, oh, this is T-shirts delightful, and, yeah, you know, singlets and no, Parker's was where it's at because that was relatively cold. <laughs> I can't get my head around that. When I think one team actually sent up another like shipment of merch during the weekend. Smart call, yeah, because they would have made a, a whole pile of cash. The thing that sticks in my mind most about that first weekend in Townsville is that the guy who won the first race shouldn't have. Jamie Winkup won the first race on the set. Was it the Saturday that he? That did was this? the Saturday, yeah. So he started from ninth and he won the race, which you go, wow, that's pretty good effort. You mm. know, all, all things considered, reigning champion, top of his game, was off to a great start that season. Yeah, but he spun Jack Perkins and got away with it. Yeah, I really still don't understand how that how that happened. It, I, I cannot get my head around it. It was kind of a. Oh, well, Jack's not really in the race. He was sort of a lapped car, so it doesn't I'm sure, matter. I'm sure Jack felt differently yeah, about 100%. that. Yeah, 100%. I, I could not believe that one, that he got away. I mean, look, he was trying to pass Tim Slade into that last left-handed hairpin, went in, a, you know, got the move done on Tim, but then, boom, ran into Jack. So, yeah. um, But it wasn't the only time that people got away with things in Townsville. That happened the very next year with James Courtney. Well, the year he won the championship. The year he won the championship and the year that he inadvertently turned his own teammate around at the first corner of, was that the, I can't remember if that was a Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure which race it was, but maybe Sunday, but no penalty. Yeah. Because in those days it was kind of, well, if they're teammates, ah, it's a bit self-penalising, you know, the team's penalised. Tell that to the bloke in car 17 who's spun down the middle of the road. Oh, exactly. Just, I could not get my head around either of those two, but... It was a booming success. 09 was absolutely massive. Those big grandstands on the pit straight. There was great racing. It was a unique track because you had that kind of Albert Parky, you know, mm. the the Parklandsy type element of Reed Park out with the the roads, which the, the roads were kind of I think what about thirty percent of the track and the the rate, the section in the park areas about seventy somewhere about something that like regard. that. Yeah. So there was nice similarities, but it was a nice compressed sort of venue rather than Albert Park. You know, much, much bigger. Out, yeah. I think it really made an instant mark and the drivers had to really 
work for it. And there are a few unique elements to the track that set things up pretty well and make it a good racetrack for passing and for racing. Absolutely. Now, trivia question, though. Mm. Who was the first driver to drive a supercar on the circuit? Oh, I know this. Scafie. Yes. Yeah, but it wasn't. Oh, because he was yeah first year out, wasn't first he? First year of commentary. So had he done his Tasman deal by that stage? He had. That I'm he? not sure about. I think he did. I presume he must have because yeah. he drove Greg Murphy's number 51 Tasman. Oh, because he's driven car. it at Winton earlier that year in the right. co-driver session. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, that's a nice little piece of history, isn't it? The sprint yeah. gas car that um, he and Murph drove later in the year. And is it that's the car that Murph's going over the UK to drive or has just driven at Brad's Hatch. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's the one. Amazing with things. But there was a car that didn't go on the track in that first year. No, no. The um, Marcus Marshall inter-racing, although I don't know whether you'd call it inter-racing by that point because the inter had disappeared. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, entered but unintered. Yes, yeah. So That's a Marcus- real confusing one for our Kiwi listeners. Isn't oh, yeah. <laughs> so Marcus, when he was on the V8 Sleuth podcast a couple of years ago, went in-depth about all of that. So if you go back and mm. listen to his episode, he talks about that a fair bit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, team, in short, Team had no more money, arrived, couldn't take part in the race weekend. Well, didn't have an engine. Yes, hadn't paid there the engine it is. Bills That's what KRE engines hadn't. Mm. Um, so the car was there but no engine in it and yeah. no bills paid. And they don't that go was fast it. without them. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was the last time inter-racing was spotted uh, in V8 supercar racing. That weekend, Lee Holdsworth got the first pole, but both he and James Courtney had engine issues on the Saturday. James bounces back Sunday to get his first win, but wasn't his first – race win in supercars, mm. but it was his first middle step podium because, remember, from 08 to 09 we went from a round result that determined the podium to a podium for each race. So although he'd won that race at Ipswich for Stone Brothers the year before, it was just a race same. of three yeah. and no podium, but he actually got a bit of Frank the Tank action going that day. <laughs> uh, in Is that the first time he I did it? I reckon it would have been. It would it have to have been. Yeah, I think it was. What if he did that in Japanese of- GT? <laughs> Because so. he couldn't, I uh, doubt he would have done old it in Formula school 3. Out? When was that movie well, out? Well, it was, it would have been early 2000s, I would have thought. I feel like early to mid, maybe 03. 2003, absolutely. Oh, really? That. I flipped yep. that. Oh, well done. That's great. But then again, the other element that sticks into my head of that first Townsville, and I'm not sure many people would remember this, but they retrospectively applied a time certain. So fans get pissed about time certain <laughs> finishes. Imagine when you retrospectively time certain finish a result of a race. Ah, but at least we got the full race in. The fans got to see the full race. It just didn't officially count. Yeah, and if you go back through, so we did a strange but true story on this a couple of years ago. Um, it only, the deletion of the last lap only affected one or two drivers who would swap positions. positions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was Steve Johnson and Shane Van Gisbergen. It was the battle for 12th spot. Hey, that stuff could change championships. I'm sure Steve's still mad about it now. <laughs> uh, I reckon he's forgotten it just yeah. quietly. Because yes. uh, so, it was one of those cases where the race ran, checkered flag flew, ta-da, it was all done. And the time certain But it was had actually triggered been triggered just before. just before the start of the last lap. Yeah. So officially under the results they had to well, well, start of the back. pre the penultimate lap. Yeah, yeah, so they had to wind it back one. Yeah. So it was 71 instead of 72 laps. Correct, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which, of course, at that time it was a 400 to begin the event, two by 200 two kilometres. Yeah. I think, was that the one that, yeah, it was. I commentated it. Yeah, right. That's one of the ones when Matty White was off Dancing oh, with Dancing the Stars. Oh, Dancing with the Stars, of course. Yeah, yeah, I was voting like crazy to keep it <laughs> in. It was great. <laughs> yes. I just kept doing V8 rounds. It was super. 
sure you were happy to plug his um his SMS detail oh, yeah. during the broadcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to keep him in there. I reckon I did six round, five or six rounds that year off the top of my head. Oh. He just kept dancing. Like yeah. he got down the final couple, which was which was uh, final three, four maybe. I can't remember. But yeah, I was commentating the two thousand and nine Hmm, was it Sucridge in Townsville or Dunlop Townsville 400? First one was Dunlop. Dunlop and became Sucridge in later on. Yes. It's had a few different events. It was meant to be Armorall at one point, but then that was shifted across to the Gold Coast 600 and uh, then that's when it became Sucridge in, uh-huh. I think. And so when I think about it, Castrol, our good friends at Castrol, played a part in the Townsville history over the course of time with yep. a couple of years that they were the naming rights partner. Uh, in more recent times, of course, this year we've had NTI and in, and in recent years as well. Wattpack? Wattpack. Uh, have we got them all? Uh, Robson Civil Projects. Ah, oh, during the COVID 2020 season, exactly, yeah. with back to backs. And WD40. Aha, uh-huh. that's right. Wow, geez. Yeah, there's been a few names. The bit that I didn't like, I didn't like the 500, as in two 125K oh, races. Yeah, that was a bit day. weird, wasn't it? They did it to Adelaide, they did it to Townsville, they did it to Sydney. It was a whole part of that standardising a super street format and the split races was so they could have a twilight race that bracketed the news bulletin. But it wasn't even, I mean, the whole point of having something at that time of the day to have a night race or, well, half the time they go, we have, but it sort of merged into having a night race and you go, no, you're having a race that finishes at twilight before yeah. it's night. It's not a night race. It doesn't no, care. Exactly. It doesn't care. I don't recall a driver asking for sunglasses because it was a night race. No. <laughs> Glary, but that's just me. Glary yeah. late in the day, sure, but yeah. um, probably not the case. But I, I didn't. It didn't work. Didn't work. No, like we had. I mean, we had great equity with the the format in Adelaide. We've mm. been building it in Townsville. There's just no like. There's this constant need to fiddle with stuff. Like, I will just, say, I will oh. say though, Craig Lowndes had a good old crack at making the first lap of that race interesting. Which one was that? So this is 2014. Mm. Um, he started from the third row of the grid, ran into the back of Garth Tander, which shoved Tander into James Courtney, the two HRT cars, which right. was a good effort coming from row three considering the HRT cars were on the front row. <laughs> um, so then that dropped him back. He had another go at Courtney at the left-hand hairpin near the end of the lap, um, but locked the rears and straighted a bit wide. And then got hedged by Will Davison as um, they were coming around the kink into pit lane and sent the triple eight car into the fence. So that was probably the wildest first lap that anyone's done in Townsville. I, w- much. I would think so. That's hard to beat, especially since they then fixed the car and he made it halfway around his out lap and something broke and he ended up in the fence. So he was having a great time. But yeah. remember that he also had that period where he had a pole position in Townsville that was taken away. That was why the yeah. contact with Garth. Ah, uh, yeah, for the next so for, for the, the next, next day, day yeah. he qualified fastest in the shootout, but had a two or three grid two two grid place yeah. penalty. So you had this unique scenario where I, I remember this one. Was this right that Roland's running around going, no, 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 he's still got pole. We keep the check. Just <laughs> it's just gets applied. You know, it's a penalty applied after qualifying. So we should get the check because we were the fastest. And who was the other party in that argument? Brad Jones, who loves <laughs> cash and checks and. 
you know, like seriously, this is Bradley. Like you're not going to take anything away from him. Man who tried to rip a check out of Roger Penske's hands and on live television. And successfully negotiated half of it. How good. I mean, seriously. Amazing. If you don't like Brad Jones, you should like him based on that, <laughs> that you can do that, <laughs> yes. that you could go and convince Roger Penske to give you a 10K. I reckon that's not a, a bad thing. We've seen some unique liveries, numbers, tweaks and tunes over the journey mm. in Townsville. The camouflage Vodafone cars were a real standout. 2011 Ooh, yes. for yeah, Jamie 2011. and Craig. They were cool. Um, I think Erebus did a similar thing a few years ago as well, ZB Commodore. Yeah, yeah, they've had a relationship too with um, Armed Forces and, yeah, that was Anton and Dave Reynolds era yeah. a couple of years back. Um, the other thing that springs in my mind too, remember that, that Mark Winterbottom, at the time there was the whole Cars 2 thing going on with the movie. Which he was in. Which he was a voice in, in a character. Yes. So he swapped his number. To number 95 for that weekend in yeah. 2011, which was the, the Lightning McQueen 95. Now, he didn't quite go to the level that Will Davison and Techno did some years later at City oh, Motorsport Park when it was actually <laughs> a Lightning McQueen car. Yeah. But this was sort of a, a way to sort of help get things spinning. But then um, it was – wasn't it a unique scenario where Garth Tander raced because he, he was number two for HRT mm. for many years, but he ran W2. Yes. 24. 15, 16, somewhere around there in honour um, of Shane Cricky, mm. sprint car team owner who had passed away. So I don't remember another time when a circuit racing or a supercar's number, I mean, guys change their numbers for milestones all the time, but mm. to put which in Speedway and Sprint Car, the W's for Western Australia 2 or if it's V2 Q2, or yeah. Q2, doesn't happen in circuit racing, but I quite liked it, but I can't think of another time where no. that's been done. Closest would be like, Clark having the class letter next to your number. Oh, but yeah. That's still not technically because, like, there's that's no. That's very old school. Yeah. There's no 5A and then there's no 5B. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. That was actually the second year that Garth had raced not the number two because the year before he had O2 because HRT had done the retro 97 yeah. Brock livery. Yeah, that's right, on both cars. And they, they, they kept James with 22, but they, mm. they put Garth as O2. And one of the things that they unfortunately were so heavily criticised for about those liveries was the wheels. Yeah. <laughs> because, of course, the, the 97 cars ran white wheels, mm. but at the time the HRT cars ran red wheels, didn't they? Fluorescent red. Fluoro, like they kind of stood yeah. out. Yeah, I thought but, they looked good with them. Yeah, but to go and do your entire wheel stock for one round, repaint it is just like, well, that's whole it's, it's a lot, level. isn't it? Yeah. Whole another level. That's that's not going to happen. But nevertheless, we've seen some some good liveries, some some number swaps. But there was a whole car swap that a lot of people forget. So remember when Lee Holdsworth had his big shunt in Darwin, in yes. Charlie Schwerkholz's Preston Hire car, the the X, Xbox Triple Eight Commodore. Hmm. So not only was Lethal banged up, but the car was stuffed, and it's still stuffed. I don't think it'll ever return as a racing car. This is uh, Charlie still got it, by the way, hmm. but. They needed a car and Triple Eight couldn't build them one fast enough for the next round. So they actually ended up getting a Super 2 car, but they got the Super 2 driver with it in Kurt Kostecki. So it, it had the Team 18 bits in it. It looked like a Preston High car, but it was actually Kurt's development series car, Lee holdsworth if that's a term. Yes. And, I mean, as 18th birthday presents go, because Kurt turned good. 18 five days before the round. Not bad. Yeah. Although he had a bit of a rough introduction to, um, to supercars, had a couple of shunts both days. And on the Sunday, he was around the outside of 
like was it turn nine, turn ten? I think oh, in he council. Himself in the grey from memory. Yeah, but he was there, like in the car with other cars going past at race speeds mm, for quite a while remember. before they got the field under safety car. And remember thinking back then, gee, a virtual safety car or some sort of speed limiter would be a handy thing that the category should have, and were evaluating at that time. And um, it's you know, twenty twenty three, and we're almost getting there. Mm, it's- not good enough, is it? We should have been no. there. A Especially on the driver with, like, poor Kurt. He was just sitting there, driver's side exposed mm. with cars coming by with him, like, right next to the racing line up against yeah. the wall. No, no good. Yeah. No good. Not a fan. Don't rate it. Don't rate it at all. That very same year, though, we saw the unique scenario of a livery and a sponsor blocked <laughs> and being unable to run. So there was two plain black. Lucas Dunbrod Motorsport Commodores of Nick Perkat and Andre Heimgartner, who was mm. there at the time, because they were going to run Free Choice, the Candyman livery of Free Choice Tobacco, which was blocked by supercars. And I think we've covered this. Where did we cover this? In a before? Q&A back in episode 265, Travis yeah. Benyon, the Candyman. Yeah, go and look it up if you don't know about it. Go and li- listen to uh, 265 because that'll give you the full scenario. But there's not too many times I can remember a livery and a sponsorship being blocked and was it even on the car? Not at the race meeting. They, not on they track. They turned up black and they yeah. were going to be liveried and then they- Or they had been. I think the injunction ca- or the ruling came down beforehand, then it became a court battle between <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Candyman and LDM and anyway. And it was just a- It was, ne- it, yeah. it was all a disaster, wasn't it, yeah. basically? Although the, both cars did end up with plus fitness branding on them by the That's end of right. the weekend. Yeah, that, that actually rolled on and they mm. stayed around the sport for- for a little while. Um, I love a bit of uh, being an AFL fan. I do remember uh, some years ago when he was playing, uh, Bob Murphy, mm. played for the Western Bulldogs, um, was the uh, captain but had hurt his knee during the year. They won the premiership so he wasn't able to play in the grand final. Yes, but yeah, yeah. a lot of our listeners who follow their footy will remember that he was called up on the podium to have the premiership cup with uh, Easton Wood who was the fill-in skipper. Anyway, mm. why I'm saying all of this is, um, one of the things that Bob Murphy coined as part of he, – he was writing newspaper columns for The Age, but he made appearances regularly on AFL 360 on Fox, and he came up with a segment about rascals, rascalish behaviour. Um, <laughs> Where rascal is of this the week. going? <laughs> well, Townsville and who was the rascal of Townsville? It's Paul Morris. Oh, yep. No, yep. You see where 100% I'm going with this? agree with this, yes. Why, why do you think I'm going with this? For, well, I'm guessing it's not because of his efforts in the Love Machine Commodore in DVS. No. Um, would it be something to do with his very close reading of the supplementary regulations regarding tyre usage? Correct. Do tell. He, he has form for this as well. But this, Multiples. Yeah. So this particular instance we're talking about was in 2012. So- he, although his effort had sort of rolled into DJR that year for 2012. Yeah, the VIP Falcon was run out of DJR as part mm. of that four-car operation, yes. yeah. Um, so Steve Owen at the controls qualified quite well up in the Saturday race, arrived in the pits for a tyre change, and in this era you had to run soft tyres during the race as well as hard tyres. So he leaves the pits with three soft tyres, and one hard tyre fitted to the car. Now, I would instantly go, you can't do that because you have to have the same compound on all four corners of the car. It's in the rules. It's in the rules. Now, <laughs> it was in the rules later that evening, <laughs> but was not in the rules at the time. 
Was it the only loophole? Was it the year before? So this is after they'd been tightened up, yeah, as a result of exactly that. So the year before it was specified that you had to run um, a brand new set of soft rubber in addition to hard tyres during each race. And you only got you, you only Your got your set. set of your set of tires for the race. So you couldn't use them in quality or practice. The softs. But you'd ha- the softs. But yep. you'd get one set for each race. And this is the important part because there was nothing in the rules that said for the Sunday race you couldn't use your old soft tires from the previous the, the day. The bit that you compulsorily had to do was use the new. Yeah. Didn't say you couldn't use the old as well. Correct. So which could mean you could run what three stints New, soft, use soft and hard. Exactly. And if you were a driver that had had a rough Saturday, like Alex Davison, who broke a rear axle early and um, lost a lot of time, didn't really make much use of your softs. And you've got virtually two new sets of softs. You can go from 22nd on the grid to fourth place. I love that stuff. I love that stuff. Like... We love people who read the rules closely and exploit them to the fullest. Isn't it? We shouldn't really be applauding reading the rules because that's the job. It is the job. (laughs) That's the aim of the game. But... Um, because we live in such a tightened world of control parts and control elements, and supercars are not the only sport and uh, motorsport like that. You know, mm. it's the same in so many places. So, seeing those little ones where people go, "Oh, bugger, yeah. he's got us on that one." We <laughs> yeah. actually can't stop that because we haven't quite um, covered it off. So, yeah, that, that's a ripper. Um, another theme that emerges is fight back drives. Mm. There's been plenty over the journey where. Dudes have come from nowhere. On the, I mean, Townsville's winnable from most – I mean, Wink Cup won the first race from ninth. I think Tanda won one from 12th somewhere over the journey. And I think that was even one of those 125K races. I don't think that was a 250 or a 200 Ooh, yes. off the top yeah. of my head. So um, there's been a whole pile of those ones where you can actually do something from not – a good spot. And I think some of the one you've made a couple of notes here of some big fight backs. I mean, Van Gisbergen, back in his Stone Brothers day, what was this, 2011, qualified 22nd, gets spun by his teammate Tim Slade on lap one, goes back to last 28th, still finishes 11th. I mean, I, re- I remember Jason Richards in one of the BOC cars. He went from 20 something to 7th or 8th or something as well. And hmm. like you can actually do something because there's length generally in the races. Oh, for sure. But it's a sort of track where you can actually fight back as well. Well, if you've got if you've got better tire life than other cars, like by a step, you can get a better run off the cor- off the those that last hairpin, and off you go down the straight. Mm. Bye bye. Mm. Is it the that last hairpin that's a worry when you come out of it and you hit a button accidentally too? Uh, it was a hairpin before. Oh, the other I hairpin. Think. Yes. Was it? Yeah. So um, Craig Lowndes notably is an omission from the winners list at, in Townsville. Never won. Never won a race there. Uh, his best chance was probably the Sunday race in twenty twelve where he was the two triple eight cars were behind the three FPR cars for the first two stints, um, led by David Reynolds, who'd taken his first pole position. And then Craig was ahead of Jamie until he accidentally bumped the pit lane speed limiter on coming through the hairpin during the sec- during the middle stint of the race. That lost him the track position that when both triple eight cars vaulted all three FPR cars at the final stop, even though Craig had the faster car, just couldn't find a way Me to pass too. Jamie. Yeah. He was faster than Jacques Villeneuve that weekend, though. It wasn't everyone. Yeah, pretty yeah I was faster than Jacques Villeneuve much, that yeah. weekend. <laughs> what were you driving? Were you in Townsville still by 2012? Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, I was still in What were you driving in 2012? In 2012 uh, Toyota, Toyota Celica. Oh, there you go. Classic. Yeah. Which, what sort of era? Uh, the ST162, but not the hatch, the liftback model. For those who don't oh, know the, what the ST162 um, sorry, the boot. is, what year era are so we like, talking um, 
late eighties, eighty six. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. That's very Group A. I like. Yes, it. I like it. Sometimes too, you know, when we go to a when we have a roundup coming on the calendar, you can pretty much guarantee what bit of vision they're going to pluck out as part of the, you know, those little packages that are on the the broadcast and the the leading into ad breaks and all that sort of stuff. With mm-hmm. you know, oh, let's have a look at the uh, some of the highlights from over here at insert track name X. I say that because I've done this. Before. Oh yeah, could you tell? Yes. Perth is a clear one. Rindler gets yeah. a run every year. I we'll think get I see a run. where this is going. As yes. long as we ever go back to that track, that bit of vision and that story will get run over and mm. over. For Townsville, for me, I don't think they've done a good enough job with this one and I'm encouraging them on the 10th anniversary of Will Davison's crash into the barriers <laughs> with his burnout to run that every year that we ever race in Townsville. Do you I agree? Th- I think they have. I think they, I feel I think they have to push on I with it. I think they've flogged that horse. I think they need to keep flogging it. <laughs> I think he needs to be reminded <laughs> I'm over sure they've, and over. Well, they've clearly still got the concrete block. It's still. It, I'm yeah, sure it's, it's still, still there. Still got a bit of blue on it. Yeah, a bit of Pepsi. Bit of Pepsi blue? Max. Pepsi yeah. Max. One of the it. multiple liveries that they'd run that year. Oh, there was a few, wasn't there? Yeah, it was probably one of the better ones actually. Yeah, at that time, and that was also when I think about it, and we're, we're having a joke because Will Davis obviously led home a one-two with Frosty. Hmm. Was it the Saturday race? Sunday race. Sunday race. Um, and promptly launched into some burnouts in that little runoff area down between, I don't even know the turn numbers now, but second half of the lap, mm. and got himself lost in the smoke and smacked it into the fence with the left rear, I think it might have been. So, yeah, but a winning car, a, a, a team can cop fixing that when they've when won the race, race. Yeah. rather than finish 20th and, you know. Especially if you're not fixing it for the next day and you've done it on the Sunday night. Yeah, that's even better. Mm. That's just No ride days in towns Put it in Monday. the truck and send it home. You'll be, you'll be totally fine. But there was a little bit of a, a thing going there in that period, and they contributed to it in that race where we just got these factory one-twos in Townsville (laughs) quite a bit. Or or if it wasn't a factory team, it was the team that used to be the factory team because Mm. FPR, by the time they were pro-drive, did it, I think, with Winterbottom and Reynolds a couple of years later. They had a one-two somewhere. Yep. Uh, Tander and Courtney had a couple in a row, 13 13 and 14. 14. Yep. And they had the state of origin liveries running, I think, in, in one of those. In 14, yes, and both. the Queensland one got up. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Uh, so you're talking to a Victorian who does not give a shit about state of origin, <laughs> so feel free to grab the moral high ground of uh, Queenslander over New South Wales as much as you like. Thank you. Um, but I think that's sort of where it ran out. But, there, I mean, the Triple Eight blokes had plenty of well, – They were very sort of much a factory-supported team. Yeah, so we'll, we'll include them in that list. So the one-two thing – and I haven't looked this up, but I reckon there's been more team one twos in Townsville in that period than there's ever been at this, any other track in that period because yeah, it felt like it was a pretty constant, and especially sort of for thing. different teams to be getting the one twos. Yeah, like you said, yeah. like a HRT one two was a rarity by that point, but not in Townsville. No, 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 exactly right, exactly right. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. When I look back, it's not often you would describe Townsville as a history-making venue. Well, it's been building history now over time because... Mm. 09 to 23, you know, there's a decent body of work there of different races, different events, different eras of car. A couple of double headers. A couple of double headers as well. 
But Russell Ingle actually broke a record there, and it's an important record, that the most round starts in championship history. And we're, we're still hubbed in 2013 here, by the way, the first mm. year of Car of the Future. 226 round starts equaled Bow's record there, which remember Bow's record had been tweaked slightly. <laughs> yeah. Because under the – Which I didn't realise until I went back looking at photos of his car from 07 because it ran the round number on the, on the mirror. Right. Yeah, and it, it didn't match up. <laughs> No, because when we and I have been more heavily involved with supercars, the broadcast in the last 10, 15 years, did a f- and doing the season guide for supercars, which is, by, by the way, available on our website on our V8 Sleuth Superstore. It's by this stage of the year, obviously, we're pretty much halfway through the season. So it is at a reduced price. If you want to grab yourself a, a bargain mm. copy, jump on and, and grab it now. But the, the, the style of counting round starts was that previously, if you didn't start a race or any race or the race, it didn't count. It didn't get counted as a round start, which I felt was wrong because you've started the round if you've competed in practice, qualifying, a shootout, a warm-up, you've actually competed. So there was that unique scenario. We're we're jumping off Townsville here, but we've got to explain it because John Bow had a a round start that wasn't allocated to him in the way that whoever – and Nigel Greenway had done all his stats for a long time and we kind of picked up what he'd done but then we've really bolstered it with the history and the database and all the stuff to go with it. There was a round where Robbie Francovic pinched his car. Lakeside 86. Correct. I thought that might have been the one. Yeah, yeah. so that's why JB had plus one round start added on to his numbers retrospectively, a bit like a Townsville race result, (laughs) uh, just go the (laughs) other way. to be able to end up with that number and hence why Russell got to to match that number in Townsville in uh, 2013. So there you go. There you go. I had, I had wondered which bow round had not been counted. So there you go. That figures. Now you know. I do. Now you know. Um, I'm saying um a lot because I'm looking down at my notes to, to figure out where I'm going to go next because there's still plenty of things. Um, we'll zip through some of this stuff. Um, Kelly Racing, Jack Daniels, remember that they ran the Commodores and the Nissans. One of the few teams, but they did do this on another occasion, I think it was Newcastle for Todd Kelly's last mm. round, where they did a mid-round livery change. The only other time I can remember that is the the true blue DJR Norton livery at Bathurst in 12. Oh, yes. Where a livery was changed overnight between races to accommodate, what was the milestone there? Uh, that 300th race? Something. For yes, Jack Daniels and Supercars, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Which, of course, dated back to Larry Perkins' team and Steve Richards and Port Umbrella and, and all that stuff as well. Uh, it's, it's a place that, when you look at it too, there's only four teams that have won the 36 races in Townsville. It's been a lockout by the powerhouses. The small teams, yeah, they grab, you know, Brad Jones Racing grabbed some poles in the last few years with Percat and Hazelwood. Gary Rogers Motorsport took the first pole. Yeah, with Lethal. Um, but no one outside of Triple Eight, Tickford, Walkinshaws, and. Dick Johnson Racing. DJR slash DJ Tim Penske have actually won races there. It's unbelievable. It's remarkable, yeah. You would have thought with all the shake-up, especially during the COVID period, like that that it would have generated something. No. And considering all the weird stuff that we've discussed over the course of this podcast that tends to happen in Townsville, apparently it happens down the field. It doesn't yeah. necessarily <laughs> happen, to the, happen to the driver at the front. Yeah, they, they tend to um, end up popping up there. And, and I think... We might do a website story about this at some point, but if we haven't already, by the mm. way, we might have done it before this podcast goes live. But when you do the percentage of podium finishes in Townsville, so 36 races times well, three, times three podium percent. potential spots every time, 
I think that the percentages are still heavily. If they didn't win those, you know, any of those teams not winning, they were filling the podium. Yeah. So I think that the vast majority of podium finishes, I think it's somewhere around ninety percent have gone to those four teams. That's crazy. Which is actually, if you compare it to other tracks and other events, I reckon that would be far and away in front where they've dominated that place, and that's despite. Changes from Blueprint to Car of the Future to Gen 2. Now we obviously have another change. So I'm really interested to see if ever there's going to be a team outside of those four winning Townsville. Surely it's got to be this year. Surely. Oh, off, off the back of what we saw at Hidden Valley? Absolutely. Erebus, Team 18, Matt Stone Racing. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a – it's a really unique one. And we said this place throws up strange shit and – Maybe well, it's time for the Blanchard Racing Team. Well, you never know. Yeah. Toddy Hazelwood can get one back for, yeah. on Townsville for 2018. Yeah, yeah, potentially. You never know. You never know. Because was it 2018 where he popped his shoulder out? Correct. Oh. Yep. Couple of, oh. Only a handful laps into the race, he and Simona De Silvestro interlocked wheels and it whipped the steering wheel around and popped Todd's right shoulder out. Oh. He spent most he, – Didn't he try to drive around and bang it back in? He did. Like he, he, spent, he, spent, he spent most of that most of the next lap trying to pop it back in, rolling his shoulder, which is bloody hard to do. While still driving. You know what, though? He slid to the back of the pack whilst doing that, but he only lost five seconds in that, in lap. that lap. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And then, and then drove the rest of the race. But he only lost five that's, seconds that's while insane. still racing around the track trying to pop his shoulder back in. And then did the rest of the race, then did the next day's race. You know the funny part about this episode? I'm, I'm just It just prompted me. I put prompt and ponder then in the same word. didn't work. It makes me think, what's the tagline for this episode going to be? Because you've got so much to choose from whenever whoever writes the subheading of this <laughs> podcast episode or this title because it's going to be hard to figure out what to isolate and hone in on because there's, you know, whether it's pop shoulders, candy men and whatever else the topic is, it's going to be hard to be able to put all this into to one particular thing. Um, here's another thing that I've never really quite got my head – well, I've got my head around it, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's a big thing and I think it's overblown. The orange numbers. See, as I've discussed on this podcast before, I'm a big fan of them. And this is what – this I think the thing that you're about to talk about is one of the reasons I'm a big fan of them. Because wasn't it Townsville that was the first place that had them? Townsville was the first. So they were introduced in 2017. They went through a few different iterations. Quite a few different colours. Yeah. So they Purple? Purple was the first one because they were on Van Gisbergen's car at Clipsal and we're all sitting around there looking at the TV screens going, what's going on here? Someone <laughs> what's ran this out about? of white stickers or Is something? this a Vir- Virgin Australia ad or something? But, yeah, so it was evaluated and eventually they settled on the orange numbers to denote a championship leader. And Townsville was the first place in 2017, first round in 2017 where the championship lead changed hands halfway through the weekend. Mm. So it started the weekend with Fabian Coulthard. Number 12. Number 12, orange number 12s, and then moved to Scott McLaughlin's number 17 after he won the Saturday race. DJR were under the impression that they didn't have to um, swap the colour of the numbers until after the weekend was finished because technically Mm. from their perspective, Fabs was still championship leader even though he technically, even though he wasn't. (laughs) So I've got, I've wandered down there looking for a bit of social media content for Fox Sports going to record vision of the numbers being changed over and that was the explanation I got and I thought that's weird. In the end, they did change them on they did change all of them, so I've got my video. But they'd already laid down all the windscreen tear-offs. So with all you, the numbers on them. With well, with the number 
on the windscreen and then the windscreen tear offs oh, over the top. across the top. So if you look at look back at the vision of that race, Scotty starts has all the orange 17s all around the car on the side windows, rear window, windscreen. Fabs has yellow number 12s in all the same spots. But after the last pit stop and the last tear off has come off because they've just put them over the top of the tear offs, um, Fabs has got an orange number 12 and Scotty's got a yellow number 17. <laughs> See, Trust why you, you to come that? up with that one. Yeah, yeah. See, why don't you love orange numbers? Well, look, it's, given us, great it's, entertainment. it's given us one good story. <laughs> but seriously, I reckon it's overblown. It's so overblown. And to the layperson watching, no idea what it's all about. So they Wouldn't ask, even spot it. So Wouldn't ask. even spot it. Well, it's harder now when they're LEDs on the windscreen. Yeah, which that's a struggle too. And the fact that you've got those LEDs with the positioning of the car in the race, I get it, like information purposes, but it's bad when you've got photography mm. because if I want to run a photo in a program or a book or whatever, it timestamps it far more as to what session it might have been in because sure otherwise you, you don't really know. No. You, to a degree, you know, if you know the file name and uh, the file info that's on it from the camera, but otherwise it's one of those things that sort of... It's uh, hard to do a sneaky one and swap one out from a particular session if it's meant to be. Yeah, the, anyway, and the other Publishing problem And watching on TV um, in recent times, when you've got a team with two cars that are the same livery, same sponsor, same it's everything. Like Erebus for argument's sake. Yeah, and you're so used to say 9 and 99. Mm. But when those um, LED panels don't show, unless flukily one of them is running ninth, which would be Will would be helpful if it was Brody, that's just confusing. Brody's not running 99. Not, yeah. No, exactly right. So it's one of those situations where you actually really have to stop and ponder who the hell that is because before – it was nine and ninety nine. You could at least that was the distinguishing yeah. element. But unless you're aware of exactly the positions and have a timing screen to compare to and contrast with, that's then it. It's, it's I get it from a trackside audience perspective or trackside fan perspective. But when when you're looking at it on TV and you've got the totem generally on the screen next to it, well, the other thing is that if you're at the track, you're getting television commentary still. Mm. If you were having a dedicated track commentary feed, they would be explaining far more often a lot of those elements that are not getting as explained on television because you don't explain them on television because they're there. They're yeah. visually there on your totem pole, as you just mentioned, or your your numbers or your gaps to leader or all that stuff that, you know, doing. And it's really interesting because doing radio this year for SEN, you got to paint the picture more. Of course, yeah. Because you, They can't you, see what's happening. No, well, and some people might be listening while they're watching it on TV, but more often than not you've got to presume it's people listening without being able to see it. So yes. um, you've got to keep painting the picture on who, yeah. what, when, where, why and how. Um, I nearly fell over in 2019 in Townsville, not because Nick Perkett's car caught on fire, which, by the way, a lot just of about knocked a lot of people over, yeah. over, but then it rained. Yeah, I know, right? What? Yeah, it does It does actually happen in Townsville. It's very occasional that it rains in winter, but it does happen. I think, there were, I think prior to that race there was maybe one or two, or prior to that year there was maybe one or two sessions that had had a light sprinkle of rain, but otherwise... Um, yeah. It, it was, well, look, for the 10th anniversary celebration, it was definitely an interesting way to <laughs> turn something on to, to finish all of that race. So, And that was the weekend McLaughlin and Reynolds got together too. Remember that? That Start was really that race. tetchy. And that's kind of with the, the McLaughlin Reynolds, I don't know. I feel, like it's, or, I feel like it was already on. It was bubbling, but that really. Because there was elevated. all the parody stuff. Yeah, throughout that year, and then that's where yeah, rental, yes, it went up a notch. Yeah, it went up a notch. 
2020, it went up a notch to the point where we had two Townsvilles. But, I mean, thankfully they were able to do that because it helped keep the championship rolling and got us to the minimum number of rounds required to have a championship and have the TV and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But you know what? I don't think – when I think about those weekends, those two Townsville COVID weekends, I don't think about the main game at all. I'd have mm. to actually go and dig to know who – I remember that Triple Eight got that 200th championship race win. Yep. But I really remember it more for the fact that Roland went racing. I know, right? Because he because there was that – so there were a couple of things as the support categories because, of course, he couldn't – Oh, was this Townsville Tin Tops? Ah. So Townsville Tin Tops was like – the odd Super 2, Super 3 car that was It was, was about whatever, like, whenever, however. Yeah. It was like a lucky dip. Yeah, where they actually went racing. And then you had the Townsville, I think it was called Super Sprints. Yeah. Something like that, where it was run to a Super Sprint format where you're not racing, you're going out to set times. Like yep. a big qualifying session. Yep. Um, and Roland had a couple of his car- his cars up there. He had a Group A Jaguar XJS. Which was the Kiwi, the Kiwi car he got one. out of New Zealand. Yep. yep, which I think Paul Morris drove that first weekend. Uh, and yeah. then, did, so did Roland drive the Camaro that he's? Got? He drove the Andy Rouse engineering ah. built Camaro in both <laughs> weekends. See, there you go. It's the things that you remember. It's weird, isn't it? What you do and don't remember. See, the bit that I do remember from the supercars racing of the second weekend because they do kind of blur into one. But mm. The second weekend, I remember so that two hundredth race win for Triple Eight. That was also the first weekend, the first race win for Chassis Fifty Four Chastity. Shane, uh, the car that now holds the record, the record for the most of, wins. Yeah, most yeah. that's wins. where it started. Yeah. Midway through 2020. Midway through 2020. And then he backed it up with its second win later that afternoon when he had fresh tyres after a late race restart and no one else did. And he moved Scotty McLaughlin out of the way to um, yeah, that's he did the right. old shake and bake so yep. that Jamie Wincup could finish second. Just held him out wide and come yes. on down, let's yeah. do one two. There you go, yeah. Well, actually, now that I remember it too, that wasn't – we double-headed again. Didn't we? The following year, yeah. Yeah. Like we did two, like Darwin, it was only a double header one year? I think so, yes. But in Townsville, it was two. Yeah. And there was doubt. So this whole situation had flipped year on year, where Townsville in 2020 was um, largely free or almost entirely free of COVID cases. It was the reverse in 2021, where there was a, it was declared a COVID hotspot by the southern states. And there was a, also the possibility that that round wasn't going to take place. Mm. So instead, um, they, I can't remember if it ended up getting pushed back a week or not, but it, so. the situation changed so. so rapidly that they had a double header there because they could they could see what was on the horizon for the southern mm, states. Let's get another round. Not in. good. Yeah, yeah, let's get going. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. It is also when we talked about weird stuff. You only have to go back as far as last year. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to see where a guy bumps a guy out at the last corner with an optimistic move. And, hey, for the theatre of it, I thought it was good. Oh, yeah. But then the other guy goes, well, I'm not going to pass you back, even though you're letting me pass you back to win the race first. I'm going to let you cross the line first. <laughs> <laughs> Could I, I just thought of the um, – I looked at the vision again the other day and it, it occurred to me that if Anton had slowed right down to the point where he pulled up before the finish line – and Shane pulled up behind him waiting for him to cross the line, we could have ended up in this Mexican standoff style where I don't even remember who was third because was it Cam Waters? Was it someone else? I don't even oh, know. I think, I think you're probably right, um, yeah. Could have won the race because these two are in a stare-off uh, three metres away from the finish <laughs> line. How funny would that have been? Oh, it would have been amazing. Oh, that would have been sensational. It would have been uh, the other, the alternative that would have been funny is if the stewards had gone, well, he gave you a chance to redress it and you didn't. 
here's the trophy, Anton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Shane or Triple Eight would have found that no, as funny. But it, it well. yeah. But it would have been just another weird thing to happen in Townsville because, as you've learnt from this podcast, weird things happen in Townsville. And we're going to get another uh, crack at some more weirdness, the NTI Townsville 500. It's July 7 to 9 in North Queensland. It is a fantastic part of the Repco Supercars Championship. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed going down memory lane here. I reckon we've had some gold here and we actually didn't get to everything. So, sensational. This is... is, I like these... I've really enjoyed these episodes this year. I reckon they've been a... A great addition. Yeah, same. It's yeah. A, there's a lot of stuff that I've not thought about in a long time. Mm. Yeah, well, well, we'll do it again for the next round, the round after that, the round after that. So get yourself ready, sleuth listeners, to tune in for those as we head to the next rounds uh, of the Supercars. Next week, it's been a while, actually, since we've done a Q&A. So we're going to go Q&A next week. Fire in your questions. You can send them in through the socials, send them in through the form on the V8 Sleuth website. Uh, we will pick out as many as we can, as many as we know how to answer, as many as we can get to in the time, uh, and we'll go through our Q&A episode. So that will be next week. Send those questions in. Look forward to answering them. Thank you again, Will. No worries. Townsville's weird. In a good way. In a good yes. way. Yeah. I mean, the event. You, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Um, please, North Queensland, don't come after me. It's a great place, and I can't wait to go back for a, another a trip in the sun because when you live in Melbourne in July even if you get a frosty response it's still going to be warm yeah that's that's true and still I'll be wondering why are they selling so many jumpers and jackets here <laughs> yes. he go. said wearing shorts and, and thongs. thongs yeah exactly exactly hey thanks for tuning in Sleuthers we'll chat to you again next week and just quickly before I go August 3 bolted in the diary V8 Sleuth open night is back we're on the road we're going to Ballarat, my hometown in regional Victoria, and I'm bringing another Ballarat boy with me. Cromley is coming with me. So uh, the Regent Cinemas, tickets are on sale now. Uh, we'll bang the link in the show notes and you can get all the details if you Google uh, online. Look for uh, Nudes and Crompo's Crazy Night in Ballarat V8 Sleuth style and you'll probably find the tickets somewhere. So I uh, <laughs> hope to see plenty of you there. We've only got a limited uh, amount of seating in the Regent Cinemas, so jump in before those tickets run out and we'll chat to you next week on the V8 Sleuth podcast, polished by Bowden's Own. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.